0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes.
1: Okay, Dante, we're yep. going to start. This is Dante DiLoreto, who is a graduate of UC Santa Barbara, and you are a theater major here.
0: Yes. Yep. <laughs>
1: Did you have a good time here?
0: I did. I
1: had a You can. I told you. Can you be so, I told you. Nobody some of the can hear it. Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> when I was a, when I was a student, yes, year, you did. I, was, I told you people smoked in class. Were, there was yes. people had sex with teachers. It was crazy time.
1: <laughs> he had a very good time here.
0: You got to remember, it was you know, it was it was when I was a student here. It was uh, I started in 1977? That sounds so long ago to you all, um, but it was um, it was after this sort of radical period that this campus was known for and sort of brought it to national attention. And, and it was and it, it was sort of trying to find its way. And it was a little bit you know confused and you know mm-hmm. uh, it was swinging towards being a more conservative place, mm-hmm. um, but it was still a, you know the remnants of a very liberal time.
1: And you're a local Santa Barbara I am. native. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Born and raised. <laughs> Terrific. Santa Barbara High School. No, no one. No.
1: <laughs> That's okay. And um, after you graduated from UC Santa Barbara as an actor, yeah. you worked as an actor.
0: Yes, I did. I went. Um, I left here and I went to UC Santa Cruz, who had a uh, summer uh, Shakespeare festival. And I became, um, I, I, there's this thing called sort of the I-5 circuit for actors where, you know, from the uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland up to Seattle, down to San Diego, and I could be very loud. Um, I could get, I, and mm-hmm. you go to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and there are a thousand-seat outdoor theater and you have to talk very loudly, and, and I could do that. So I, I, I found it great, early, great success. Terrific. Yeah.
1: Then you worked for about 10 years as an actor, and then you went to graduate school Yes. at the American Film Institute. Yeah, there,
0: and there's a transitional period there because I, I worked um, in theater uh, as an actor, and then I went to L.A. and started uh, working in episodic uh, television and trying to find film roles. and. And uh, and then you become frustrated because you're constantly waiting for somebody else to create another opportunity for you to you know, mm-hmm. know ring the phone. And mm-hmm. w- we started producing then, my friends and I. We we played at producing and produced mm-hmm. um, little pieces of theater. And the first thing I ever produced in L. A. was a play uh, called "Look Back in Anger." That's mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, 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 John Osborne. John Osborne, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it was directed by an, uh, an unknown actor at the time named Forrest Whitaker. And uh, we, we were so wildly unsuccessful at that <laughs> that uh, Samuel French sent us a letter saying you can never produce another one of our plays. Oh. Because, because, because we didn't realize that the text was really sacred. You can't, you can't change the text. And Forrest's idea was that this play was really relevant to a contemporary audience. So we're going to change some of the lines and give it a very contemporary setting it didn't go over well. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's right. It worked out the, the end result worked out <laughs> okay. really well. Okay. Sometimes early failures are a good thing.
1: That's positively yeah. true. Um, okay, so so then you became uh, you got an MFA in producing. Yes. You began kind of pretending to be a producer. Now,
0: now there's a chunk there that's important, I think, okay. to tell because between mm-hmm. between that there was a period of time where I was kind of lost and confused and not knowing what to do because mm-hmm. I, you know, a- acting was happening, but not enough to really make more than a living of like $10,000 a year on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had friends who were having greater success than that. And I thought that I would go back and consider f- my family business, which is real estate. I had my real estate license and I started selling houses. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple friends who had gone to film school and had. Um, Success and and the thought had never even occurred to me to go back to school Mm -hmm. and to study film and television because I never drew any correlation between theater and and film and TV. And I had no particular Mm -hmm. affinity for film and TV, it seemed kind of alien to me. Mm. As a matter of fact, if you go to a film set, it's the first one I walked on. You know, when you're in a theater, there's a very um, you're all working together to create some particular piece of. Suspended disbelief that evening, mm-hmm. that moment, and everybody is mm-hmm. focused on that and in a film set, it, it, you, you might as well be in the port of l a because there, there are guys in tool belts and truck drivers and and you know guys hanging mm-hmm. from the ceiling and, and no real mm-hmm. central focus, and there 's nothing that you 're creating in the moment mm-hmm. that you 're taking away with and going wasn 't that great? You know We had this conversation recently because we just made this uh, film for HBO called the normal heart and there's no moment of ceremony where you recognize that you've, you've completed it. And, you know, that particular project was 18 years in the making. So, you know, if this is the beginning of the project and that's the end of it, the period where you're actually making it is like that much. And so it, it's, a, it's a very, very yes. different environment. Yes. And but, but but I learned that you could go to school and, and learn about it. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now we're at American Horror Story.
0: Yes. And glee. It's another big leap. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so I have a few questions about American Horror Story. So do I. Which we have just seen.
0: <laughs> okay, I can't, I I, uh, the one thing I can't do is talk about plot or character. or Like, I can't, I just can't. I promised
1: you, I did have a question sworn, here. Sworn to secrecy. He's refused to answer a priori, which is, does. Because Ryan Murphy did indicate that everything is interconnected. He just gave an interview and um, that he's dropping clue by clue by clue some kind of grand scheme for all the um, different seasons. And And by the end of our interview, perhaps... You'll take pity on us and give us just a little tiny soup song, but I'm not sure that that's Well, here's, here's the we thing. We can ask. I have a friend in the audience who who really would be so happy if you would share. I,
0: here, here's, here's the thing that I think that's really interesting about series television. The first okay. series that I, had ever, I ever produced was Glee, and it's not that long ago. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is it's first completely overwhelming because you've got to create these multiple episodes. And you're, you know, when you create a piece of theater or you create a film... There's a beginning, and a middle, and an end. And in television, series television, there isn't. Right. Um, so you, it's overwhelming. I mean, I, I would crawl up in this fetal, curl up in this fetal position on my couch at the beginning because it was so completely daunting. But what's interesting is it's a completely interactive experience, and I don't think people actually are aware how interactive it is. In other words, you respond to a character... To a storyline, to uh, to uh, to uh, an arc, to a joke, and we can hear. We can hear you respond. We can hear you laugh. We can hear you talk about it to your friends. And I'm not saying that that's what we're doing, because you know the the the, the people who write and create these shows are focused on the writing and the creation of the shows. But when when you th- there's a response, there's a visceral response that happens, and so. Things are shaped, and, and you know, we cast an actor in a role, and then you see an episode, and what they've done with that character, and you think, oh, that inspires me to do X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z. And mm-hmm. so I think the challenge of the show and any show is to have a strong and clear creative vision for which uh, Ryan and Brad and, and, and the other writers we work with, Tim Minear and, and Jim Wong, are, are impeccable at. Um, But also to be able and to respond to what the audience is telling them, to what characters are leaping forward. I I think a great example of that, I assume you're all watching this season, um, is is Finn Whitrock who plays Dandy. Um, And Finn... (laughs) (laughs) Finn Finn, uh, worked uh, for us on uh, The Normal Heart, and he had you know, a, a, a fairly small role. I don't know how many of you saw that, but he was, he was very noticeable. Like, he, you know, he, he, you, you wanted to know more about him, and that created this opportunity in Horror Story, and he's so interesting, and the character the writers have created for him is so interesting that you just want more.
1: Mm-hmm. Well. Yes. So this is my question.
0: Yeah. Was, oh, this, sorry.
1: Was this... <laughs> no, that's great. Um, yeah. You are alluding the the, um, the request to drop a hint, but will I'll we'll maybe come back at the end book, yeah. bookend. But, I'll okay. avoid it then. Too. Okay. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about how this series originated, and um, was it conceived as an anthology series with separate characters, separate settings, with a through line? How how was it conceived?
0: Well, I'll tell you how I remember it, okay. and, and, I, and I reserve the right to be completely wrong about this. But, okay. um, you know, the, the, the original premise was that of a haunted house and the idea of a place being so significant that it could become the center of a television show. So it was conceived of as an anthology. Let me turn this off. Let me just make sure no, no one is on fire and no one's hair is... Um, it was conceived as an anthology series... But um, I believe the thing that changed most dramatically was that it became very clear early on that no one was ever going to go back to this house because who in their right mind would set foot in that Mm -hmm. haunted house again after everything that had happened in it. Mm -hmm. And and I think it excited in uh, the writers the possibility of actually bringing back the cast... And giving them a new setting and creating this Playhouse 90 kind of experience because they were such a terrific cast Mm -hmm. and they were all so facile and and thrilling to watch that you wanted to put them in another setting and environment. So they became, you know... The the repertory company. The the, the, the repertory company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the challenge of the show is it's creatively thrilling for the writers because... Thrilling and daunting, I should say, because... You work so hard to make something that works. And in television, the idea is if it works, you want to do it over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can become difficult to invigorate that storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if you can if you can say, okay, we've, we've done it 13 times. Let's throw it out the door. And what's a new setting, a new environment, a new mm-hmm. um, touchstone of terror that we can create, mm-hmm. um, then that's... You know, it's, it's both challenging and invigorating. And then from the execution side, it creates all of this fear and anxiety behind the scenes because you, know, you, you, know, you make a pilot in television because you, you want to see if it works. Mm-hmm. And we you know, leap in with both feet into the storytelling. And so you've got actors who are creating characters not really knowing where the story might take them. And you've got designers creating sets, not knowing exactly how we're going to use the space. And you know, we make five or six, seven episodes before you, the audience, have seen one. And by, and r- usually right before the premiere is where everybody's anxiety on set just goes through the roof because it was like, oh my god, is it? I, it feels really good and really special, but maybe it's the worst thing ever, and we don't know. You know, and you guys are going to say, what are you
1: nuts?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the challenge of the show, and I've completely yes. forgot your question.
1: That's okay. You, you did a good job. Um, whose idea was was it? Was it Brad, created by Bradley Falchuk? Brad, Brad, and Brad Falchuk
0: and Ryan, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: And American Horror Story appears to be grounded in American history or American culture. And, for example, at St. Louis Witch Trials the um the freak show has traveling carnies misfit culture kind of uh references yes, yes. <laughs> yes. therefore that seems to be deliberate does that kind of thematic connection is that an important part of the writing, producing, creative process, that everything is grounded in this part of American culture? And as a friend of mine actually said, does, does grounding your stories and your themes in something American maintain the integrity of the title of the show?
0: Oh, that's a, what a good question. I um, know. I can't, I can't answer it anywhere near as eloquently as you asked it. They, the The thematics are incredibly important to everything that Ryan does as a writer and everything that we produce. Um, if, If you go back to a show like Nip Tuck, which some of you may have seen, I was not involved in that, but Ryan created that show. And that show thematically, you could say it's about plastic surgery, but it's not. It's about transformation, the idea that everyone wants to transform themselves in some way or another. And Glee is about outcasts, and that people want to belong and find a place where they can belong. Um, Horror Story Coven was was ultimately about race. You know, it was about witches and being social outcasts, mm-hmm. but it really was a commentary on 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 how we draw lines in, in our communities and who belongs and who doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. So yes, thematics are in, incredibly important, both on the the meta level of the show and then on a on a very episodic level every every episode of glee thematically is about um something very very specific.
1: Mm-hmm. Who comes up with those different themes? Um
0: uh, you know Ryan is absolutely the hand on the tiller of it, of everything that we do in terms of his creative vision. Um uh Brad is 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 an is is impeccable co-creator, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, we have you know, great creative people who work on each of the shows mm-hmm. in, su- in support of that creative vision.
1: Mm-hmm. And as the executive producer of American Horror Story, yes. what do you feel is your most significant creative contribution to the series?
0: N- making sure that, it, that, it, that it's on the air in time for you to actually see it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I... <laughs> I, I mean, tried about, but you know, the, my job is to take something that's imagined, that's on paper, and to make it real. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, are, there are fifty battles and conversations and 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 um, and events that have to occur for every single scene you see on television. I, I don't know. You don't think about it this way, but. Um, I once had our accounting department do the math for me. I said, "How many hours does it take? Man, labor hours does it take to build a car? And it takes seventy labor hours to build a car because you know it's it's mechanized and serial production, and that's what it takes. Television, it takes fifteen thousand labor hours to create one hour of television. And you don't you don't think of TV as being this finely crafted American-made, you know, union." made piece of uh, art mm-hmm. but it, it, that's exactly what it is and so to get all of that you know, you, you, you know it all begins and ends with a script um, and to take what's on that script and over a course of 8 plus 1 or 8 plus 2 days create an episode of television that reflects the thematics of the show that reflects mm-hmm. the you know answers the questions the actress has on the stage at 7 o'clock in the morning and and, and the production designer is trying to figure out, okay. you know, whether the set should be green or blue mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 that, that is a, a, a constant um, feast of, of problems.
1: And you just completed a directing. He was on the set at 7 o'clock this morning directing an episode of Glee and left at 4.30 to drive up here. So we're just so privileged and it happy. Had really fun.
0: We, uh, <laughs> we had a really fun thing we shot today, um, which was throwing eggs at the actors. It was really, bam, <laughs> bam. It was great. Super high speed, like.
1: <sighs> so you're not tired. You're just no, energized uh, and excited. Uh, um, well, you have now been an executive producer and a director. Yeah how are the roles different, and which do you prefer?
0: Oh, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 both in in concert with each other, I, you know, I I'm very, very fortunate to work with really <clears throat> strong, gifted, creative people, and to be teamed with them to make this stuff happen. And directing enables me to to really, like, digest what they've created in much greater detail. So, as an executive producer, I read a script that is handed to me at 10 o'clock in the morning. At 2 o'clock that afternoon, we're probably having a production meeting mm-hmm. and figuring out how we're going to start shooting it three mm-hmm. days, four days, five days later. Mm-hmm. As a director, you read it over and over and over and over again. You stand on the set and you look at the scenery and you figure out where, where is the actor going to enter and exit? What, is, what, is, what are the thematics of this particular scene mm-hmm. about? So you get to digest it in, in a much more a clear vision and also i get to deflect like i say i want it um i want 50 eggs filled with false yolks and somebody else has to figure out how to make that happen
1: <laughs> so you, can, you get to do the the yeah. fun stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect um What is it that you... No, but
0: to answer your question, they're they're both... That's okay. They're both about fulfilling the creative vision of the writer. And in television, specifically, the writer is the beginning, the middle, and the end of the entire process. So for any of you who are interested in television, uh, if you're not a writer, start writing. And and if you still don't think you're a writer, then find a friend who's a writer and become their best friend and figure out how to make their stuff happen. Because, Mm -hmm. Because, frankly, you've got access to everything to make a television show. When I was a student... You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes, there were these enormous video cameras, but you couldn't. You know, I mean, you could, There are sections of horror story and glee that we've shot on Canon D5s or or, or GoPros and on a stick. Um, and my, my directors of photography will kill me for saying that, but I mean, there are little there are little moments and certain things you can do. and, and, and for you guys, you have access. The most important thing you have access to is bandwidth. Mm-hmm. because you can self-broadcast anything. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you may not have an audience now, but if you create a compelling enough piece of entertainment, you'll find an audience.
1: I also think it's important to, or interesting for you to talk about the fact that you're an actor. I bet that that has greatly helped you as not only a director, but also as a producer. I, I have heard that studying acting not only makes you a better writer, but an incredibly good director. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes, and yeah. a
1: producer as well. You know what it takes to get your day.
0: Well, as a director, I have more respect for actors, and as an actor, I understand that it's it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. It's you know if if you if you've not stood on an, on a stage in front of an audience, expecting things to come out of your mouth, mm-hmm. you don't know that that sort of terrifying and mm-hmm. that terrifying moment of, 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 of giving up and, and giving over. And a, on a television set, at at seven in the morning or, or, or two o'clock in the morning, you know, you're being asked to do something that's incredibly emotionally vulnerable or, and exposing, and you know, some guy's hammering in the corner and somebody else has got a cup of coffee and you've got to focus on, 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 on the scene and what's happening. It's, in, it's, in, it's incredibly difficult. Yes. Um, but it's also something that everybody thinks they can do, right, because everybody acts all day long, right? We're all pretending all the time. Um, every day I go to work and I, I drive through the gates of paramount, I feel like i 'm pretending i mean like I feel like'm i 'm putting something over on somebody um, <laughs> that
1: 's because you 're a modest person um, i think yes um, i let 's switch gears for a no. moment. Uh, why do you think all the different types of horror that are shown on american oh, horror why Story? do you
0: guys like horror that 's my
1: question Why does it resonate so profoundly with people but also specifically young people are responding to this in an almost cult like way.
0: I sat at a table on Friday night with a with a thirteen year old, twelve year old boy who in front of his parents is going, I wanna to talk to you about a horror story and not the really weird kinky sex stuff. And their parents like, What? What oh. um, I you know, I don't I don't I don't know, you you'd have to tell me that. I don't know. I'm not compelled to watch horror. I'm not. I, it's just not. I, it's not. It never was part of my upbringing. I was, um, I was more afraid of it than thrilled by it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that as an audience, anything that excites you um, sensually, and I think that horror can can liven your senses, um, is 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 thrilling. And I didn't I didn't used to like roller coasters, and I, I, they're fantastic now. So I I don't know. I I, I to me. Um, You know, I think that you have to question what it is and why you're telling the story, and is there a reason? Like in this particular season, Twisty the Clown, for those of you who have seen it, is a terrifying character. But underneath the character, there's an empathetic reason, if you can say that, as to why he's he's behaving this way. I don't, I mean, look, I, I hate to get too serious about this, but you guys experienced terrible terrible violent tragedy here mm-hmm. and that's something that's not thrilling at all mm-hmm. it's, it's it's awful and grotesque and we live in a world where terrible things can happen and maybe we're trying to make sense of it or maybe we use it as a way to express feelings um, that need to be expressed mm-hmm. you know there, there's a there's a there's a comedic sense to it and our show's really ironic it's not um, um, it's it's grand guignol, it's very you know, grotesque and, and comedic in the way we do it.
1: Yes. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. I, I, I actually... I mean, Anne Frank really does push the limits of what somebody might think is whimsical or you know, yes. humorous. But, um, but it is extremely grotesque in the classical yeah. definition. I agree. I'm going to open it up. I think lots of people have lots of questions. Let's go.
0: What would you say are your biggest tips for success in the entertainment business? Um, uh, what are the biggest tips for success in the entertainment business? Um, uh, uh, the personal relationships, being uh, you know, the mm-hmm. my my success and my if you can call it that, is based upon relationships I have with people for twenty and thirty years. Um, I met Ryan Murphy when he first moved to Los Angeles. I was pretending to be a producer. He was a journalist, you know, and and you know, you maintain a relationship or you lost touch with each other, but if you're an honorable person and, and your heart is in the right place and you're supportive of your friends who have creative vision, I think that pays off, and it really is about that. I think it's very easy to become negative, to be bound by uh, criticism with your friends of like, oh, I hate this or I hate that, as opposed to say. Like, you know, this thing that you wrote is really quite spectacular. Um, and being supportive of each other in their creative ventures, going to see your friends' shows, going to see your friends' act, because, you know, you have, you know, if you're serious about this, you're, you're, you're going to need each other. No, no one can do what we do by themselves. I, you know, I have 150 people working on a set on a given day. So you, you, you need friends, you need relationships, and I think that's the most important. Having worked both on Glee and American Horror Story, artistically, that kind of seems like opposite ends of the spectrum. And what drew you to both of the, those projects and wanting to be involved? <coughs> well, I'm, look, I was drawn to it because I, I was partnered with Ryan Murphy. I was, I'm in charge with running a production company for him. And, and for me, the, the, they're similar in more ways than you might think. Most importantly in that they're about, uh, they're, they're about a moment and a zeitgeist moment of, Of communal experience. Um, They're designed to excite conversation amongst you and your peers. Um, Glee came about in a time where everything on the air was incredibly dark and we were in the midst of an economic downturn and everything was incredibly dour and it was one sort of bright speck of irreverent fun that you could find. And um, and Horror Story is about another cultural zeitgeist, and that's reinvigorating a genre. And by the way, they're both about reinvigorating genres that had disappeared from television. Um, horror had disappeared from television. Musicals had disappeared from television, and they were both very specifically um, conceived to excite those and consequently to get you all talking because... You know there are there are kinds of television shows that we could that other people can create that are incredibly successful financially, but you don't sit around and talk about um, on a weekly basis. What's thrilling to us is creating something that becomes a, um, a point of conversation and an event. Um, what are your favorite scary movies? Oh, I'm going to really embarrass myself now. <laughs> Honestly, I don't watch scary movies. Um, I, I was at the premiere of Scream, and I did not know what it was. <laughs> A friend had invited me to the premiere, and I was sitting right smack in the middle. I had, like, an actress in, on every side of me. And I go, what is this? What are we about to watch? <laughs> and the third thing, I'm like, oh, my God. And I was so terrified the entire time. So I... You know, it, it's a genre I've come to later in life, I, um, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, n- have a new appreciation for it, particularly as, as you know, our show references different styles. Um, and I, and I, but I, honestly, I've come to it very late in life. Oh, that just killed. The yeah, <laughs> no, I know. yeah,
1: no, they still like you.
0: <laughs> Is Jaws? Do you consider Jaws a horror movie? <laughs>
1: No, that's a thriller. That's a thriller. I
0: love thrillers.
1: Which is very different
0: from Yeah, yep. Yes? Yeah, hi. I wonder if you could talk a bit about um,
1: the look of American Horror Story. It's really distinct. um, I was noticing, I haven't seen it ever on a big screen like this, and there are all these crazy angles and fisheye lenses and stuff. I wonder if you could talk about how that look came about. I feel like it doesn't look like anything else you see on TV.
0: Yeah, this uh, season, um, uh, a director named uh, Alfonso Gomez Rajon, um, who had worked with uh, Ryan as a second unit director on the movie Eat, Pray, Love, came in and, and he first started directing Glees for us, and he was a great visual stylist. And um, our uh, Bradley Beaker, who directed the first two episodes, and then Alfonso, who directed subsequent episodes, created a very particular look and style. Um, that carried over into season three, and, and season four is slightly different now, but still has a lot of the very wide-angle lenses. And, um, you know, it really was about um, a, a strong director's eye taking the script and, and illuminating it in an unexpected way. Um, and that, combined with our production designer, Mark Worthington, who creates these, <coughs> you know, stunning sets um, that... You know, we're, you know, I mean, they're really miraculous works of art that we shoot 13 episodes and then cut them up in little pieces and throw them away. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I guess it's no different than the feature world. It's just that it's, you know, they're such vibrant and interesting places. If you could go to an American horror story uh, theme park, would you want to? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> no, I, because, I mean, that's, because that, that's, that's my reaction too, which is I think it's really um, an interesting world and I want to set foot in it. I want to go into those rooms and, and see what's behind that door. Um, it, 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 they, I think that we've been very successful creating these environments. I was wondering, this season there's the addition of the musical numbers and the thought process behind having the anachronistic song choices. Um, you know, there's a history of that, obviously, with Baz Luhrmann. Uh, you know, I think he's, he can be inspiring that way. I think that it really was grounded in the story and, and, and being able to, You know, we had the experience of doing the one song with Jessica, which was really had a real electric response, and, you know, she loves the opportunity to sing and perform. I don't think she quite realized what she was getting into, Um, I really distinctly remember her putting on the blue suit and the eyeliner and saying, Are you serious? Am I really? Um, But I I think it's really compelling. And, And what's interesting about it is it puts it into context. Because when you hear vintage music, you don't think of it as ever appearing new. Uh, You know, every piece of music at one point had never been heard before, and the audience is hearing it for the first time and responding to it in this very unexpected and vibrant way. You know, jazz was so revolutionary. When you first heard jazz, it was outrageous. Like, if your parents knew you were listening to jazz, you'd get thrown out of the house. We don't, we couldn't even, our ears can't even conceive of that now. And I think that by putting the contemporary music in that setting, you you get that feeling, that that excitement of what those characters must feel hearing something for the first time. Um, I can't speak to, you know, if that, that is specifically the intention, but that's certainly, you know, what, what I take away from it in creating it.
1: Hi. Um, I wondered, between your experience, it sounds like, with multiple jobs in theater and multiple jobs in film... I wondered kind of what translates back and forth and if you could talk about what surprised you or, or it was interesting going back and forth, whether you had personal preferences or anything.
0: You know, um, I, I, I produced uh, Broadway theater before I went to work with Ryan in LA and, and was doing Glee. And it was actually my entree into doing um, Glee because I never produced a series but they never produced a musical so I, I could bring something to it. Um, I probably um, the performance aspects of it, um, what it takes to create a performance, what it takes to create a performance environment, um, uh, what it takes to you know in the theater, um, the written word is 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 really a, a sacrament and you can't mess with it as I learned by you know Samuel French taught me early on, and in in, um, in, in television, you know you're, you're trying to protect the words the exact same way. And, um, you know, going through a creative process, taking something that somebody visualizes and making that real um, involves a lot of um, guidance. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of times where you're like, okay, this is what it says on the page. How do we create this in the theater, on the screen, on the soundstage? Um, uh, what, it, wh- what protects that creative vision? How do I fight for it? How do I, um, where do I compromise? Where do I not compromise? Um, what's really important to the storytelling, the essence of the story? Um, the, all those things are, are the same wherever you go. Because inevitably, you don't have enough resources to create what you're trying to create. Um, and, you're, and you have to decide, well, you know, where, where, what, what are the sacrifices we're gonna make and what's important to protect. And having, having an understanding of that process and the writing process I think is really important.
1: Hi, um, one of the pleasures for me of watching American Horror Story is the way that it invokes and plays with historical memory often in a very disorienting way. And this episode that we screened is a fabulous example of it because you've got Anne Frank appearing, you know, is it the 40s, is it the 50s, is it the 60s? The set design suggests something. One era, the the cultural attitudes and the medical science suggest you know, another. It's part of the whole way in which both the horror and the play with history is kind of disorienting to the viewer. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to know with the writers, you know, how are they playing with
0: history? Are there historical well, consultants? Well, I, I think you as the audience are much more sophisticated than... than we, we as an audience are much more sophisticated than most people realize, right? So I can take disparate elements and put them together, and you can deduce the th- theme of what's happening. And you're excited by it, right? All I'm trying to do is excite your imagination um, to, to, to figure it out, to solve the problem, um, to, to figure out what, what is the commonality to all of these elements. And in doing so, your brain, your, your process is excited. Um, and and that, that's what that's about. I, you, know, I, I, you know, we saw that in theater a lot in the, in the 80s. There was a lot of, you know, you'd, you'd take a, a classic text and put it into a a completely different environment and and maybe shift that environment from act to act. And this is doing the same thing. Uh, I I think if I can cause you to sit up and pay attention and to ask questions, then I've created a more successful form of entertainment than if you are lulled by the experience um, into a kind of inaction or complacency.
1: Do you have a consultant? Do you have a team of consultants that help with these cultural touchstones? I mean, because
0: no, the, they're pretty the, the, potent. the huh? The writers do a great, an immense amount of research for every season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the you know freaks. You know, they've, they've done an incredible amount of research on the period and the time, and and um, and of the specific characters who may inform some of the people who are, who are in the series. So it's. Um, it, you know, the, the information's out there. It just takes time mm-hmm. and, and planning and, and research. But no, we don't. We don't use a team of researchers. It's really, okay. the writers are doing it themselves.
1: Okay. I was wondering if you could talk about the difference in the makeup of the writer rooms between Glee and American Horror Story. How many writers? Male versus female? Age range? Are they similar sure. or are and, they different?
0: Sure. And for, every, for, for those of you who aren't not so familiar with the process, there's t- traditionally a writers' room in television. So, um, you know, a pilot is created by uh, a person or a group of people. And then you have to produce such a volume of work that you bring on more people to help do that more quickly. Um, and on Glee, we have about... At the peak, there were about nine. Now we're about to, down to about seven people. Um, uh, like two women, five guys. Um, on Horror Story... There are three women, three guys, um, a lot of different backgrounds, um, people who have or who are new to the experience, um, people who have decades of experience, um, and you know to be in that environment, you need to work well with others, play well with others, support the creative vision of the creator who's driving the process. And still be able to contribute ideas and and, and suggestions and writing that's going to you know uh, evolve it. Um, uh, our our writing is is a, is a group process on the shows. I'm not in the room. I'm I'm usually on set or in, in our production offices. Um, and in the room, uh, the story is broken and then broken into pieces. And different writers might write different pieces. For instance, Ian Brennan on Glee writes all of uh, Sue Sylvester. Um, he's got a very particular comedic voice that's incredibly well suited. Um, and Brad Falchuk might write more, a lot more of the emotional stuff, the the you know the the Will Schuster stuff. Um, so and, 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 and yet and yet they 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 all they they all cross over. I shouldn't say it's ever one or the other, but you know they 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 all have strengths that will be played to. So Brad's writing for Glee and for American Horror Yes. A Gle- of, a usually glee in the morning and horror story in the afternoon.
1: <laughs> a lot of crossover with the teams.
0: Um, just the, the, from um, just myself and Brad and Ryan um, crossover um, to the shows.
1: Falchek, Beeker.
0: Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, myself, Brad, Falchek, Brad Beeker, and and um, and Ryan Murphy. Right. Yeah.
1: It seems
0: like. And like uh, Alexis Martin, who. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, in post-production with us,
1: yeah,
0: It's a producer on the show, um, and then our new—we have a new show called *American uh, Crime Story* that you'll see a year from January.
1: I think people wanted to know about that.
0: Um, is that it's in the press, right?
1: It's in the press. <laughs> Isn't
0: it? Yeah.
1: You mean you mean the the program?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been announced, hasn't it? Yes, yes, it has been announced. Yes, because yes. some
1: students. <laughs> We're breaking it here. No, I would no, be they fired so fast. <laughs> it was broken in the press, yes. And a number of students asked me to ask you about it,
0: so Good. they're curious. Okay. Yes. Um, the idea is to um, uh, is to take the same approach of an anthology, um, not necessarily the same approach in terms of cast, because we want to deal with um, uh, true crime. And uh, and dissect uh, true crime, and the first season is going to be the O.J. Simpson trial, um, and it's really not about uh, O.J. It's about it's about the trial and what it did to the country and how the country responded to it, and it's the birth of tabloid journalism, um, and it, and and most fascinatingly and, and relevant to today, how uh, the uh, the response to the crime and the trial uh, was incredibly divergent, drawn upon racial lines. Um, the black community had a very, very specific response to it, and it was usually mm-hmm. very much at odds with the white community's response. The black community absolutely saw O.J. As, as an innocent man wrongfully accused of a crime, and the white community absolutely saw him as, as, as a, as a, as a, as a wife beater who had, who had, who had mm-hmm. killed his wife. Um, and it, you know, we're still experiencing that. You know, we're still going through that in Ferguson. Um, and so that's, that's the first season. Great. And it's impeccably um, written um, by uh, uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski who wrote oh. um, uh, People versus Larry Flint and Ed Wood and uh, Bright Eyes, which yeah. is the Tim Burton movie that's coming out on Christmas. Hi, I have a question. What have you learned the most from American Horror Story as an executive producer? Uh, to face my fears um, quite honestly quite honestly my my, my, my personal fears um, uh, that I mean I hate that it 's so cliché, but i 'm um, on a show that 's about this, but it really is about that I mean there are, there are things and there are times where i 've been completely overwhelmed and completely um, flummoxed by something and and terrified of you know the consequences or, of action or inaction and and, it, you know, it's, it's a great steamroller. You have to just jump on and go. Um, and, uh, you know, learning that and learning that um, also who to listen to is really important. Um, and protecting the creative vision, um, you know, are all things I had to learn and very often out of a place of great, you know, fear or terror. Like, I mean, I'm mean, quite seriously, when I, when I started, like, I, there were times I there was a time where I, we were doing two episodes of Glee on the same day, and I was curled up on my couch because there was no one to turn to to go, like, what do we do now? You know, like, a, when a problem happened. And the other day we were shooting six episodes with four different units in two cities. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a huge volume of work, but it's, it's about facing your fears.
1: Okay. Well, I think you're doing a wonderful job. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> And I'm on behalf of UC Santa Barbara, who is very, very proud of you. I'm really honored that you're here today, and thank you so much for coming and making this really, really heroic effort. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.